0: Luke chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Let's ask uh, God for his Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds to his word. Our Father in heaven, uh, we do acknowledge that we need your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word. Uh, we need him to take away the, uh, the veil over our hearts Uh, that we would be able to see the glory of Jesus Christ. Uh, We pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, open the eyes of our hearts so that we would see the riches of all that Christ has done and that as a result we would be transformed. Uh, We pray that you would be with us to that end now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that troubles uh, many people about faith in god is what they see as a lack of evidence Uh, where is the evidence that god is real Uh, many people wonder that Uh, perhaps uh, sometimes people say you know i would believe in god if i could see him Uh, or sometimes people would say You know, if God gave me some unmistakable evidence, a sign from heaven, then I would believe in him. Uh, The same thing could be said about accepting the claims of Jesus. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the savior of the world. You know, he did these incredible miracles to prove that claim. And yet perhaps we would think it would certainly be a lot easier to believe if we were there and could have seen those things for ourselves, then it would be so much easier uh, to believe. But the question is, does does seeing always mean believing? That's a saying, seeing is believing, but does that actually work when it comes to faith in God or accepting Jesus' claims? Well, Jesus addresses that issue in this passage Uh, We'll look at it under three headings. Uh, We'll see here the need for evidence. Okay, we do need evidence. We'll see uh, why uh, people have trouble seeing the evidence and then how we can be sure that we can see uh, what uh, God has done. So first, the need for evidence. It's in uh, this first section, verses 29 to 32. And Jesus here responds to people asking for a sign and he calls them wicked. Okay, they're saying, we want more evidence for what you're claiming. Jesus says they are wicked. And what do we make of that? It's important to read this in the context because Jesus is actually responding to something that the crowd have been saying. Uh, If you have a Bible open, you'll be able to see the earlier verses. Sorry, I don't have them on the screen, but we looked at it last week, back in verses 14 to 16, Jesus healed a man who was mute by casting a demon out of him. The crowd that saw that were absolutely amazed. Uh, they saw a sign from heaven. And uh, no one denied what they saw. Instead, they went about trying to interpret that sign. Uh, some, we looked at this last week, said, no, no, this is the power of Satan at work. And they accused Jesus of being in league with Satan, while well, Jesus answered that and showed how illogical that was. Uh, we looked at that last week. But there were others in the crowd who weren't as antagonistic, but they still didn't want to accept uh, the claims of Jesus at this point. And so they tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. And that's the issue that Jesus is addressing in this passage. And Jesus says they are wicked to do that. Why? The reason is, is because he has just given them a sign. He has just explained it. And yet they still are saying, no, no, we want another sign. Uh, It's actually the the tense of that saying. It's actually they kept on asking. This wasn't just one one one-off thing. This is something they just kept doing. Give us more evidence. We are not sure yet. You need to prove who you are. And so Jesus had just given them a sign, which, by the way, was one of many. Uh, the, this is a crowd. The, the crowd had been following Jesus everywhere he went. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd seen him restore sight to the blind, uh, to make the lame walk, to give hearing to the deaf, even raising the dead. And, you know, he had spoken to them about the significance of all of this. This is about the kingdom of God coming The king has arrived, therefore you need to get right with God because the king is here. The king coming means that judgment is not far away. And yet the people kept saying, "Mm, we're not sure, we need another sign to prove. This is kind of like um, when you try to get a young child to eat their porridge for breakfast. Now if they say, why should I? You could spend a while laying out 56 reasons why eating porridge for breakfast is a good thing. But adding a 57th reason is not going to make any difference if they're unwilling to eat it. And that's the issue here. By repeatedly asking for another sign, these people were not showing open-mindedness to Jesus. They were not saying, well, if we just have more evidence, then we will believe. This was actually an excuse This was an unwillingness to believe what was already plain to them. And so Jesus actually says in verse 29, no more signs for you except for one, the sign of Jonah. So what is the sign of Jonah? Well, Jesus explains it in verse 30. He says, as as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. Now, just in case you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, uh, Jonah was an Old Testament prophet whom God called for a very special task. Uh, God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach a message against it. Okay? Nineveh at that time was a very wicked city. Uh, and uh, Jonah, when he got that, uh, got that task from God, He did the exact opposite to what God called him to do. He went in the very opposite direction on a boat. And uh, so God chased him down with a storm. Uh, Jonah ended up being thrown into the sea. Um, A a big fish (laughs) swallowed him. He was in there for three days and three nights. And then the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then Jonah went and did what he was supposed to do. He went to Nineveh and he proclaimed that message. That judgment is coming. See, Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites. Uh, he was a sign of God's coming judgment. And so Jonah's preaching was like a great big flashing sign saying, The countdown to judgment has started. So, what did the Ninevites do when they saw this sign, when they heard this message? What did they do? They didn't ask for more evidence, instead, they believed. It says from the the least to the greatest, everyone repented, turned from their wicked ways and turned to God, even the king. And uh, so what happened was that they responded to the message. That was the key. So Jonah's preaching was the sign, the sign of God's judgment. It was a sign calling them to repent. And Jesus says here that jo- just as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. So here Jesus is saying that like Jonah, his preaching is a sign to the generation. Uh, just as Jonah was a sign pointing people to the need to repent before judgment comes, that's what Jesus is saying he is. That's the sign I'm giving you. You need to repent or face judgment. See, if the kingdom has come in Jesus, which was obvious to see, then you need to repent. You need to respond before it's too late. Failure to do so will lead to judgment. And then in verses 31 to 32, Jesus actually gives uh, two examples Uh, To this generation, he gives them two examples from the past of people who did respond to the message, people who did change their ways uh, with far less evidence than what the, the people in front of Jesus were getting. And these two people that Jesus points out were actually Gentiles. They not only did they have less evidence, but they didn't even have their own Bibles. Right? The people that Jesus was speaking to were Jewish people. They grew up going to the synagogue. They heard the word of God. They had everything they needed. And yet they hadn't repented with the coming of the king. And so Jesus points out to the Queen of Sheba. The Queen of Sheba, she heard a message of Solomon's wisdom. She believed that message and travelled 1,500 kilometres To go and be instructed by solomon see she heard and believed Uh, the ninevites they heard a message from jonah they believed what what he said and they turned from their wicked ways again it's the hearing of a message and jesus is saying that someone is someone far greater well actually he says something notice that something far greater than solomon is here something far greater than jonah see jesus is saying not only is he greater than solomon not only is he greater than jonah But everything about him, everything that he brings is far greater than anything from Solomon or Jonah. See, Solomon had wisdom from God, but Jesus is the very wisdom of God. Jonah had a message from God, but Jesus is God, and he is the message. Salvation comes from receiving him. And Jesus says, if the Queen of Sheba believed, and if the men of Nineveh repented, then how much more should you repent and believe if you're seeing the very one that all of the signs point to? If you're seeing the Son of God himself in your very midst? And see, when you hear Jesus put it like this, you realise how crazy it was for these people to be asking for more evidence. I mean, they have all the evidence that they could ever need. The issue was not the evidence. The issue was stubbornness and unwillingness to repent. Well, it's all very well uh, for those people that day, but what about us? How does this actually speak to us today? Do any of us have an excuse to not believe? Do any of us have an excuse to put off repentance? Because in some ways, we actually have even more evidence than the people who were looking at Jesus that day. See, when Jesus spoke this, there was still a whole lot more to come. Uh, In fact, Jesus spoke this before his death and resurrection, whereas we live on the other side of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it's it's interesting that when Matthew records this same incident, he actually records something extra that Jesus said uh, that Luke doesn't put in here. But Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Uh, where Jesus, um, he explained the sign of Jonah like this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he's saying that the sign of Jonah, it wasn't only a sign of preaching. It wasn't only a sign of repent because judgment is coming But Jonah was also a sign of death and resurrection. Jonah, it was as if he died and rose again by being in that fish for three days and three nights. And so Jonah, as a sign, pointed to Jesus in his death and resurrection. And that was the sign that the people eventually see. And if you think about it, in terms of signs that God could give, in terms of evidence that God could give to prove that he is real, to prove the claims of Jesus, there is no greater sign than the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the sign that... that it's the most compelling sign. Uh, I mean, this is the sign that answers so many of our questions about God, about eternity, about life after death. See, how can you know that God is real? The death and resurrection of Jesus. How can you know that there is life beyond the grave? The death and resurrection of Jesus. How can you know that your sins really can be forgiven? That God will accept you when you die? That when you stand there on judgment day, you will not be condemned? How can you be confident? The death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, how do we know that God is going to put an end to all suffering? It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. So much that we want to know about belief. It's answered in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so if we want a sign from heaven that proves Jesus is the Son of God, that proves that he has died on the cross to pay for sin, then what more could you need than Jesus Christ risen from the dead? But if Jesus has died and risen then what is the sign pointing to? It's pointing to your need to repent, to believe in Jesus. Because at the final judgment, we will all be held responsible for what we have done with Jesus or what we have failed to do with Jesus. I mean, if we've heard this good news, if we've heard the preaching, we've heard the message of the cross and the resurrection, God will hold us accountable to repent like the Ninevites, to believe like the Queen of Sheba. And if there are things in our lives that we know are not right, now if God reveals things to us in his word to expose our sin, to expose unbelief, and we choose to put that off, we will have no one to blame but ourselves because God has made it clear He has made it clear that he hates sin. He hates sin so much that he was willing to punish his own son in order to forgive us. Okay, the evidence is there. The question is not whether there's enough evidence to believe. The question is what will you do with the clear evidence that God has given? Are you putting off repentance? That's the question. So that's the first thing, the need for evidence is satisfied in the resurrection, but the issue is, have you responded? Okay, the second thing we see here, though, is why many people do ignore the evidence. Okay, if the evidence is clear for those willing to accept it, why is it that so many people don't seem to be able to see it? Why do so many people quickly dismiss uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, uh, died and risen again. Why do people ignore it? Well, Jesus actually gives us an illustration in verses 33 to 36. And uh, this illustration is about light. And Jesus gives this illustration to actually uh, help us see that the way the human heart responds to the evidence that he gives. Now, he shows us why many people do remain in unbelief. So let's read it again. He says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness, Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. Do you see the point of what Jesus is saying here? It might be a little bit hard with um, you know, lights and lamps and uh, illuminating, um, but let's just break it down a little bit. At the start, Jesus talks about a lamp put on a stand. Now, that, he's just, that's an illustration for him. He is the light put on a stand. Okay, Everything Jesus did and said, it was all done in public. wasn't done in a cave. All of the signs that he did, it was all done before the crowd. And so in that sense, Jesus was like a light put up on a stand. Everyone was in the midst of the light. They had the light shining on them. Uh, However, it's one thing to be in the midst of light And another thing, to actually see the light. You know, in in this room here, the lights are on, right? But if you have your eyes shut, it's as if you're still in the darkness. And that's the point Jesus is making. See where he says, your eye is the lamp of your body? Your eye is the lamp of your body. What he means by that is, your, your eye is what lets the light in. So when you're in this room, the reason you can see light It's only if your eyes are open. But like I said before, if you keep them shut, it's like you're still in the darkness. And uh, that's what Jesus is saying about this generation before him. He's given this metaphor to show them that um, nowhere ever has God's revelation, has God's light shone more brightly than in the coming of Jesus, in the coming of the Son of God. Uh, So the light was beaming on these people. No one in that crowd could argue that it wasn't clear enough. No one will be in that, from that generation will be able to stand up on Judgment Day and say, there wasn't enough light. Okay? There wasn't enough evidence. No one can say that because the light was there on a stand, Jesus himself shining brightly on them. And so the problem was not with the evidence. The problem was with them. There was a darkness inside of them. And so what they were doing, they were putting off a choice that they didn't want to make. They weren't neutral in in any of this. They didn't want to change. And that was the issue. They didn't want to let go of what they thought of their right to rule their own lives. Uh, In fact, uh, John chapter 3 verse 19 uh, explains this very well. This is a helpful verse to understand it. Jesus says, Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. See, that's that's the hard issue. This is why, you know, if you're putting off repentance, this is the issue. There's a love of darkness. This is why it's actually mistaken to say, I would believe in God if he would just show me that he is real. That actually doesn't work. Not only does it ignore the fact that God has already shown that he is real, but it doesn't take into account the darkness in the human heart. That even if it's as clear as day, now if it's as clear as the sun shining in your face, because of the darkness in the human heart, there's an unwillingness to see the light. Unless, of course, something is done about the heart. Do you know uh, Romans 1 talks about creation clearly displaying God's power and wisdom. You know, we live in a theatre of God's glory. Remember, I heard someone put it like that. I thought that's a good way to think about the universe. It's a theatre of God's glory. Everywhere where we look, it, it displays God's power, displays God's wisdom. It says, you know, 100% of the time, God is real. And yet, what do people do with that revelation? Suppress it and live as though God were not real. Well, light has come into the world. The clearest revelation of who God is and what he is doing, the clearest revelation of that has come in Jesus, the light of the world. And do you realise that that light is still shining brightly today? Even though you can't go and look at Jesus with your own eyes, those who did see Jesus, those who heard Jesus, those who saw him risen from the dead, they testified to that, even at cost to their lives. And their testimony has been preserved in the pages of the New Testament. And so for us today who have our own Bibles, uh, for us today who attend church and hear the Word of God proclaimed, who hear the message of Christ week after week, you know, for, for us it's like Jesus is put up on a stand His light is shining in our midst. But the warning from this illustration is that it's one thing to be in the midst of light, but another thing to have that light shine in you. And that's that's where we need to all think very carefully about this. See, we can easily think all is well because I'm in the presence of light. You know, all is well because I attend church or I read my Bible or I go to a Bible study. I hear God's word regularly. But if you're not letting that in, then what's happening? There's a love of darkness. And when you shut your eyes to the light of God's word, what happens to that darkness? It gets darker. There's a hardening going on. That's what was happening with this generation before Jesus. Every time they saw a sign, every time Jesus proclaimed the kingdom they shut their eyes and they got they were hardened to him and refused and that's why the application that Jesus makes from this illustration about the light it's in verse 35 see to it then that the light within you is not darkness he's saying every single one of us have a responsibility to make sure we respond to God's word when we hear God's word expose our unbelief when we hear God's word expose our sin if we're shutting our eyes to that, then we're not remaining neutral. We're actually becoming harder. We're becoming darker. And so we need to make sure that we are taking Jesus at his word and responding, doing what he calls us to do. Uh, the very verse before our passage, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear and obey the word of God. Okay, don't fool yourself. It's not those who hear, it's those who respond, who show that they belong. Okay, so how then can we make sure that we do respond to the light? How can we make sure that we are seeing it? That the light is shining in us, not just around us. I mean, we can probably all think of times where we have shut our eyes to God's word, where he has perhaps revealed something in our lives that needs to change, and Maybe we haven't got around to doing that yet. Maybe we're just putting it off. I mean, why is that? Perhaps we're waiting for a sign uh, for God to, I don't know, shake us out of our stubbornness. So how can we see the light clearly so that it actually does bring about true repentance? And for that, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's job, if we can put it that way, is to illuminate our minds to the truth of Jesus. Okay, the Holy Spirit's role is to convict us of sin, to create that desire to turn from it. And so without his work, we actually remain in the dark. But the good news is that the God the Father gives the Holy Spirit to all those who ask him. Remember that? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago, that promise that Jesus made, that if, if we have a Father in heaven... And we ask for the Holy Spirit. He will give him to us. In fact, we actually need the Spirit's work of illuminating in an ongoing way. You know, Every day we need to be able to see more of the light of Jesus. And uh, we actually see that in a prayer that Paul records in the book of Ephesians. So in Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 19, Uh, Paul, he says, this is why I'm praying for you, Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, and notice this, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power to us who believe. See, how can you see the light? How can that light enter into you? By the Spirit. You need that spirit of revelation. You need the eyes of your heart enlightened. That's how the light gets in. And clearly, Paul saw this as something that was an ongoing need for every one of us. That's why he says, I keep asking. We need this every day. If we want to see Jesus in all his glory, we need the Spirit to open our eyes every day. If we want the light of, of Jesus' countenance to shine on us and shine in us, we need the Spirit to illuminate our minds to his truth. And see, the Holy Spirit's greatest desire is for Jesus to be known and glorified. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 14. And so he wants you to be captivated by all that Jesus is and for that to change you. And so therefore, when you ask the Father, give me your Holy Spirit to open my eyes, to see more about Jesus, of course he will answer that prayer. Of course he will. And so therefore, every time you come to church, every time you attend a Bible study or youth group, or if you read your Bible at home on your own, pray that the holy spirit would open your eyes to see to see the glory of christ that you would be changed okay because like i said it's it's all very well to have the light in your midst but has it penetrated has it got inside is it shining in you so here we see that what we do with jesus is no trivial matter what we do with god's revelation is no trivial matter It's about hearing and obeying, responding. And it's such a serious matter that this is about what will happen on Judgment Day. Okay, the Queen of Sheba will be there. The Ninevites will be there. They will be witnesses against those who have not repented. But one greater than Solomon is here, one greater than Jonah, If we have met the Son of God himself, then we must repent and believe. Jesus says, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. That's a responsibility that we all have. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again just praise you for the Lord Jesus who loves us so much that he does not leave us in our sin and unbelief. Even though we put up so many obstacles uh, out of stubbornness and out of unwillingness uh, to change, Father, we thank you that Jesus pursues us, that he teaches. Uh, We praise you for your Holy Spirit because we know, Lord, that without him working in our hearts that we would continue to remain in unbelief. But we thank you that he is the one who opens our eyes to see. And we thank you, Father, that that assures us that we're not left to our own devices, but that we have one who is powerful, one who can turn uh, dark into light. Uh, We thank you for the Lord Jesus, who is the light of the world, and that by seeing him, that we can have life. So, Father, we pray that uh, every time when we hear about Christ, when we hear his word. Help us, Heavenly Father, to not ignore that. Help us not to turn a blind eye, but rather to hear and believe, to respond in obedience. We pray that we would grow in our salvation and that our lives would be a light to others. We pray that the light would shine in our lives so that people might even see uh, the Lord Jesus in us. And we ask it in his name. Amen.